Father, we just want to pause and ask that your spirit would, through his almighty power, draw our attention to you in these moments we have together this morning. That any distraction, any calls for apprehension, uh, anything that would hold us back from hearing your truth this morning, that the Spirit would remove, uh, that he would use uh, your truth, which is eternal, uh, which is holy, which is always right, would do its great work in our hearts, our minds, through our speech, so that we can not only give you glory, but be an example to the world around us, because our world is devoid of truth. Uh, in many places that we look and, and draw our attention to, we can find that uh, the world is just full of lies. Uh, and what better way to combat lies than with your truth? Uh, and so, Father, guide us this morning, uh, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hopefully you're in Ephesians chapter 4. If your Bible's like mine, uh, it's almost as if it automatically turns to that section of Scripture. But uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and I've entitled today's sermon, Put Away Falsehood and Speak the Truth. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, we're going to read just by way of context as we consider this new life that we have in Christ. Uh, and, and for us to understand the therefore that's in verse 25, let's begin back in verse 17. It says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ! Exclamation point. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another." So as we begin and we take a look at this, uh, and we've, we've spoken about truth before uh, because of different times in which we've been in different books of the Bible, uh, you cannot escape the reality that the Word of God is truth. Uh, you cannot escape the reality that the world in which we live because of sin is full of lies. And the reason we know that there are lies is because there is absolute truth. And that absolute truth comes from the one true God, who he himself is truth. And so Paul, as we see this transition from this old man or this old nature, this old self, to this new nature, this new self, this being born again in Christ Jesus, he's saying since that is a reality, since that is an established fact in the lives of in the hearts and in the minds of everyone who's put their faith and trust in Christ, you've already put away falsehood because falsehood describes the unregenerate world because they are living 
in the world in which there is a father of lies, which we'll take a look at in just a moment. And he says, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members one of another. Well, that word put off there, by no surprise, is the same Greek word as in verse 22, which if you remember, it means to cease doing what one is accustomed to doing. So that is no longer who you are. You lived in lies. You believed lies. Your existence was a lie apart from God showing you the truth. And you can look at the culture in which we live and you can see that just lived out where people think that, you know, you know we just came as a result of a, a big bang or we just, you know, evolved out of a lower level of life to a complex level of life. See, those are all lies. Because what that does is it, it removes a focus away from there being a creator God to things just basically evolving on their own. As if all that had its own power and its own will to be able to exist and to be and to continue to improve itself. But Paul is saying, having put away falsehood, it's something, it's in your past. Falsehood should not be part of who you are any longer. You should have no desire whatsoever to speak falsehood. Well, what's another word for falsehood? In Greek, it means to uh, conscientious and intentional lying. You can actually define it as untruth. So God is truth and everything on the other side, which is untruth, is what our former life was characterized by. That doesn't mean that people can't speak the truth, because they can. Some people do a very good job of breaking the truth to people. Others just put the truth right there in their face and don't care about how they feel about the truth, no matter what subject it may be. You know, but the thing is, is that even still, oftentimes, Truth is distorted. Truth is clouded by our sin nature so that we can't see even things that are very plainly right before us. This Greek word for falsehood is used 10 times in the New Testament. Another scripture to give you an idea is in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, where it says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and that's that same Greek word, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. See, they exchanged the truth for a lie. Because that is what mankind does apart from God. Yes, we are born with a sin nature. But we act on that sin nature as well. So we can't just say that it's Adam's fault that we have a sin nature. We all willingly disobey God as well. Matter of fact, you may have gotten up this morning and have already disobeyed God. Yes, even on a Sunday morning, it can happen. And if you've got kids, that you will be tested all the way from the time you get up in the morning until you come to church and then after you go home from church. And even after you maybe heard a, a pretty, you know, straight on sermon from the Word of God, it can happen. See, the thing is, is it's not who we are because we're no longer enslaved to it, but it does not mean that there is not the temptation to believe something that is not true. 
whether that's true about God or what God has said, or even true in relation to who you are before God. See, we need to remember that Satan is the master liar. Listen to what it says in John 8, 44. As he's speaking to the religious leaders, he says, You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth. Why? Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Think about that for a moment. Did you hear those words? He, he, Jesus is telling the religious leaders that you do your father's desires. So someone who is, as, as we look at contextually, as a Gentile or as a pagan or as an unbeliever in Jesus Christ, we are just like Satan himself. Because he is the prince of the power of the air. And everything that is not truth, which is God, is untruth and is everything that Satan is, because that is based on the fact that there is no truth in him. He has nothing to do with the truth, and when he does lie, he's speaking out of his character. So lying is his character. Satan can't tell the truth, because his character is that of lies. He is a liar and the father of them. But something else as we think about this is that Satan is also very crafty, subtle, and deceptive. Now, originally, as I was putting this sermon together and realizing I had way too much to have in one sermon, I was originally going to walk you through the account in Genesis for you to see, going back to the beginning to help you have a context of John 8, 44, where it says he was a murderer from the beginning and that there's no truth in him is to consider the account in Genesis. Because let me ask you the question, in the garden, who spoke the truth, God or Satan? Well, I hope you know the answer to that. <laughs> if not, we got a long way to go. <laughs> you know, Satan did not speak the truth because he is the father of lies. So if you want to, you can turn back to Genesis chapter 2. And I'd just like to read verses 16 and 17 because it is out of this communication of God directly with Adam and Eve that Satan takes and deceptively twists or says in a negative manner or calls into question altogether what God says right here in these two verses. It says there in chapter 2, verses 16 and following, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. That's what God said. There's no question about it. God is the author of it. This is God's truth given to man and to the, the, the woman in the garden after he created everything. He literally spoke and things came into existence. It wasn't like your computer when you're waiting for something to load up and God said it and he's just waiting for it to happen. God speaks and it happens because God's word is truth. And because he is all-powerful, he has the ability to do everything in perfection 
completely as he speaks it. Nothing withholds that. But you'll notice in chapter 3 of Genesis, four things that Satan calls into question about God. His goodness, his truthfulness, his righteousness, and his graciousness. Listen, it says here in verse uh, 1 of chapter 3, he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Okay, there's the first. Because right there he says you shall not eat of any tree in the garden is calling into question God's goodness. Because God is somehow keeping you from doing something that is for your good, according to the one who is crafty to the one who, as we know from John chapter 8, is the father of lies, who speaks out of his character, which is lying itself. But also called into question God's truthfulness, because he says, did God actually say? And it goes on in verse 4, it says, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Well, wait a minute, didn't... God say in verse 17 that you can eat of any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And here's Satan saying to the woman, you will not surely die. So who's right? Who's speaking the truth? Because both cannot be right at the same time and and then both be the truth. One has to be a lie and the other the truth. But then he calls into question God's righteousness and his graciousness as he goes on in verse 5 to say, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Will you really die if you eat of that tree? Does, does, is there actually a, a righteousness by which you have to compare yourself to? Is God really telling you the truth so much so that when you do this one act, which you're just you know, doing what you believe is best for yourself, really the right thing to do? Is it the holy and righteous thing to do in the presence of the God who is holy, holy, holy? The same God that they are walking in the garden with. And really, it calls into God's, you know, into relation to his graciousness. Because, well, God's not really being all that truthful with you. And instead of him graciously letting you do the very thing that is going to give you the ability to be just like God, again, he's withholding that from you. And verse 7 says, then the eyes of both were opened. Because he That's what the truth does. The truth opens our eyes to the lie. And no matter how crafty or or deceptive Satan was, it would not change the truth that God told Adam and Eve. But see, that's exactly how he is. And what happens is, is that as we live as believers in the world today, if we're not careful, we can begin to believe lies about God. See, Satan does not want you to know God's true nature. 
He wants you to believe a lie about God. He wants you to think, well, you know what? God's just putting a, a you know, righteous standard out there, and you don't have to get, you know, be that righteous to be in you know, heaven with God forever. God just made it really high just so that you can feel as though you, you need him. You, you can attain that level of righteousness if you just do enough good. Or you know what? You don't have what everyone else has, and therefore God's not really being that good to you. Even though he's given you all these things over here, he hasn't given you this over here. You know, God gave them, to, you know, every tree of the garden to eat. But that one tree that God is withholding from you, or that one thing that God is withholding from you, he's not being a good God to you. Do you see how he twists, how he rearranges things? As a matter of fact, in that, that context, he even took what was a positive statement from God and made it a negative statement. So that's what he does. He's, he's crafty. He is a master at what he does because he's been doing it for a very long time. So what is falsehood in our modern day? I probably do not need to tell you this, but our whole society is built on lies. There can be some truth in there, but everything functions by a well-thought-out, well-laid-out fabrication of people lying in order to get what they want out of things. Because, again, they're acting out of their selfish nature because they love themselves rather than loving God. They don't think about others above themselves, and therefore they act out of that. And so as you look at things, you're going to find very quickly that there is lies everywhere you turn. You may be thinking, well, you know what? I know people that don't lie to me. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but there are all kinds of forms of lying. You probably already started reading the list that's on the screen. But, you know, we've, we joke about white lies, but that's basically you candy coating the truth and just making it something that it's not. It's just a small portion of it. Don't worry, it's not going to hurt anyone. You know, one lie that, you know what, you can go ahead and eat that because you're not going to die. Or how about the bold-faced lies when you were lying and everybody knows it? You know, we live in a technological age, and it's amazing to me as I watch news clips and things of this sort where people, you know, they know that you know that they are bold-faced lying because it's on record. It's recorded. But yet they'll say, no, I didn't do that. Or yes, I did do that. But then there's broken promise lies when you fail to keep your word. Or deceptive lies when you purposely mislead by only communicating certain aspects of information. Or exaggeration lies where you embellish the truth. You know, the fish I caught last week was this big. <laughs> Fabrication lies when you communicate something as truth but do not know if it is true or not. Or how about plagiarism lies when you take credit for someone or someone else's work or what someone else did. And see, the thing is, lies can be lies that you tell other people. Or lies that you tell yourself. How many times have you lied to yourself about something? 
Well, you know, if I, if I take that extra helping of ice cream, it really isn't going to. <laughs> so I obviously hit somebody there, huh? <laughs> but see, the thing is, it's not just lying to other people, it's lying to yourself. Not believing something maybe that you know to be wrong, but you really don't want to believe that there's going to be any consequences for it. Yeah, God does say that in his word that you should not do this. You know, that marriage is between a man and a woman. But you know what? I really feel good when I'm in this relationship. See, again, that's a lie to self. It's, it's a sin against nature itself. But see, the thing is, when you remove the truth, when you remove God from everything, then what do you have to compare to? Whatever I want in any particular time that I want has got to be good because it's what I want. It's what I need. But then there's also lies of omission where we don't tell the whole truth intentionally leaving something out. Or lies of commission where we say something we know is not true. And the thing is, is that as you look at your life, and you even look at this list, and I'm sure there's probably more that we could, you know, consider in our modern day. I just, you know, looked on the internet pretty quickly and was able to get a whole list, and I incorporated just a few. But do you see in how many ways in which you can lie and not speak the truth? Where you can be communicating a falsehood either to others or to yourself because you don't want to believe what the Word of God has to say? See, lies seek to displace the very foundation of truth, to displace God himself. And see, that's what the culture has done. That is what man that is full of sin has done. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. See, nothing changes about the creator. He is blessed forever. Amen. Whether man realizes it, whether man acknowledges it, whether man communicates it or not. And one day is coming where God is going to set everything straight and, and every knee is going to bow and give that declaration that Jesus Christ is the Son of God to the glory of God the Father. So what does the Bible say about truth and falsehood? If you remember back in uh, John chapter 8, verse 44, when I said Satan is a master liar, you'll notice that um, it says there, uh, as Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders, that you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. It has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks, he speaks out of his character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. That's Satan. God is the polar opposite of that. Okay, so who is God? God is truth. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. 
Because again, Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. God revealing himself to all of mankind in the flesh. Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God. Glory veiled, but no less God. He's the exact imprint because he is God. He has come and given us understanding so that, so why did he come and give us understanding? So that you may know him who is true. Not a false God, not an idol, not someone else's God, but the true God. And we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So Jesus isn't a fake. God the Father is not a fake. The Holy Spirit is not a fake. He is genuine. He is absolute. He is truth because he is alone the one true God. But also his word is truth. Jesus in his uh, uh, high priestly prayer said in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So what is God's character? What does God speak? The truth. So on one hand, you have Satan who is a liar and speaks out of his own, his own character, which is lies or untruth. And you have God who is truth speaking out of his character and therefore his word is truth. So you were right. Who spoke the truth in the garden? God did. Satan took that truth and twisted it to deceive Adam and Eve. J.I. Packer said, Truth in the Bible is a quality of persons primarily, and of propositions only secondarily. It means stability, reliability, firmness, trustworthiness, the quality of a person who is entirely self-consistent, sincere, realistic, undeceived. God is such a person. Truth, in this sense, is his nature, and he has not got it in him to be anything else. That is why he cannot lie. That is why his words to us are true and cannot be other than true. See, they are the index of reality. They show us things as they really are and as they will be for us in the future, according to whether we heed God's words to us or not. See, the thing is, our response to God's truth does not change God, who is truth, or God's words, which is truth. You can choose not to believe the truth about God. That will not change who God is. And there's a day coming where you will understand, and you're you're defiance, your suppression of the actual truth, your turning your back on God is all going to come to a head where you're going to realize because your eyes will be finally opened the fact that everything that God said he is, everything that God revealed through his son Jesus Christ, everything that is in the Bible, the word of God is true. No amount of time, no amount of lies that Satan can weave is going to change that truth. That's why God delights in truth itself. Psalm 51.6 says, 
behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. See, God loves truth. He delights in it because that's his character. That's who he is. He cannot delight in sin. He can't delight in you saying one little white lie because to God it's not a little white lie. It is an affront to his character, which is truth. We sung this this morning. God's truth sets believers free. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, the truth does not set you free to go and do whatever you want to go do. Scripture actually speaks to that as well. That's another whole sermon series. It sets you free because you are no longer a slave to sin because the truth about Jesus Christ being Savior and the only way to God, the only way to be reconciled to God, the only one who can forgive sin because he alone is God, the one true God, but also, too, he frees us to be able to love him, which we could not do apart from him. It frees us to see all the truth that God reveals in his word. First with salvation, which is beautiful and glorious in and of itself, but then everything else pertaining to life and godliness. Every question you have about why we're here, what we're doing, how should I respond, in which direction should I go, what should I do when I find myself in all of those questions are answered right here because God knows. God did not forget some aspect of our lives. Matter of fact, the scriptures even tells us he knows that our frame is dust. But he's given us his Holy Spirit to bring back to our remembrance the word of God. For us to know the truth so that that truth can set us free from worry and anxiety. To set us free from believing that we are less than who God says we are. Or that somehow Jesus isn't going to be enough. That we still got to strive in our own strength. We still got to keep it. Proverbs, the wisdom literature, which there's multiple verses. I had to pick one and it was hard. It says, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. See, if you speak the truth, you don't have to worry about the consequence of what people do with that truth. You have been freed because you are communicating truth. And the thing is, when you lie, you have to remember what you lied about and how you lied about it. Because there's going to be a time coming when someone is going to say, well, did you really do that? You know what? I can check on the internet now. Or I can go talk to people that you said. See, the thing is, is that lies, you can't keep track of them. And before too long, what's going to happen is the truth's going to come out. And the truth is going to reveal the lie and show you to be a liar. 
And there's a stern warning in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, because liars will not inherit the kingdom of God. It says there, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Do you think God sees lying any different than murder or faithlessness? or sexual immorality, or adultery, or worshiping other gods. See, we kind of put a low priority on the whole lying scale because we have a tendency to say, well, lying's probably at the very bottom of the sin scale, whereas, you know what, I've never murdered anybody, Pastor Bill. But what did Jesus do in the Sermon on the Mount? You've heard it said. But I am telling you that if you even hate your brother. See, the thing is, is God, through Jesus, was showing us that it's an impossible standard for us to keep. We cannot, even on our best day, be good in God's eyes. To be good as God is good. It's impossible. Because even our thoughts betray us. And our hearts, as Jeremiah tells us, are wicked, you know, deceitful and wicked. Who can know them? See, that's why we need a Savior. But also, too, is once we've been saved, we can't go and say, well, at least I'm not a murderer, but it's okay for me to lie over here because, you know what, I may not be telling a bold-faced lie, I just might be telling a little white lie, or I might be slightly exaggerating the size of my fish when I tell you. But see, we have a tendency to joke it off as if it doesn't matter, but in God's eyes, it does matter. Because Paul says, therefore, having put away falsehood. See, that's not who we are any longer. And we can't say that lying is okay under certain circumstances. We have to tell the truth. We cannot justify. So how should this inform our lives today? You're welcome to turn to Jeremiah chapter 9 if you want. But this passage here is, you know, Jeremiah was considered the weeping prophet. And in chapter 9, he's speaking to Judah. And the first couple of verses I'm going to read to you, starting in verse 1, you see why he was called the weeping prophet. Because he really had a heart for God's people. It broke him to the very core of who he was. But I want you to listen to the words that start sticking out in this text. And these nine verses. Because what Jeremiah is doing is calling out God's people, to not be like they are. And listen to what is said. It starts in verse 1 that, Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughters of my people. Oh, that I had a, in the desert a traveler's lodging place, that I might leave my people and go away from them. He is so broken over their sin that he doesn't even want to be in their presence. But fountains of tears, like the great deep. It 
The end of verse 2, for they are all adulterers, a company of treacherous men. You know, adulteration doesn't have to be just sexual in nature. We can adulterate ourselves to lies because we don't speak the truth. They bend their tongue, verse 3, like a bow. Falsehood and not truth has grown strong in the land. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, declares the Lord. Let everyone beware of his neighbor and put no trust in any brother, for every brother is a deceiver. And every neighbor goes about as a slanderer. Every dece- or everyone deceives his neighbor, and no one speaks the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They weary themselves committing iniquity, heaping oppression upon oppression and deceit upon deceit. They refuse to know me, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I will refine them and test them for what else can I do because of my people. Their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceitfully with his mouth, each speaks peace to his neighbor, but in his heart he plans an ambush for him. Shall I not punish them for these things, declares the Lord? And shall I not avenge myself on a nat- nation such as this? This is a sober warning for Israel then and for us today. Because the subject matter is lying, speaking falsehood. You know, slander is speaking false about someone. Slander or falsehood is actually being deceptive. That's why Satan is uh, crafty, subtle, deceptive. But you notice that they speak peace to their neighbor, but see, God knows their heart. In their heart, they plan an ambush for him. So... I know the temptation is to want to gather together as God's people to feel good about how good we are. But see, the thing is, is that as we look at the New Testament, all those letters were for the purpose of showing us and comparing holy, 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 the holy other God, who through Jesus Christ, his son, has made it possible for us to have a relationship with him to show us that God takes sin very, very seriously. And we can't go around living our Christian lives as if, well, I'm saved and you know what? Sometimes I make mistakes. Well, you're right. But see, therefore, having put away falsehood, Realizing that at a point in the past you were you you put to death that old self and had been made alive in Christ Jesus. So ask yourself the question: Do you desire to know and to live by God's truth and His will? Because that's what should frame our existence each and every day. First John 2, 4 through 6 says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 
So if you're here this morning and you're contemplating, well, am I really living by the word of God? Is God's truth really transforming my mind? Well, what you need to do is use the the word of God and let that be your litmus test. D.L. Moody said, the best way to show that a stick is crooked is not to argue about it or to spend time denouncing it, but to lay a straight stick alongside it. And that's exactly what the truth of the word of God does. It is the straight and narrow. It is the perfection of God himself because God is truth and God speaks truth. And that will show the areas that we need to surrender to God. Not to be a killjoy in our Christian life, but to free us. To free us from that bondage of being bound by falsehood. Because every liar does not know who they are. And they can tell so many lies, they forget who they are. That's not who we are in Christ Jesus. That's why the verse goes on to say, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members one of another. See, truth is essential to harmony. Oops, one more. Truth is essential to harmony, unity, and growth within the church. So don't speak lies to your brothers and your sisters in Jesus Christ. This local body of believers should be known as a body of believers that speaks the truth in love. That doesn't hold on to a bunch of lies or deceives everyone around them into thinking that they are living by the word of God when actually they're not. And know this, telling the truth can make the difference between someone hearing a false gospel that makes them feel good and the true gospel that makes them see their sin. Well, man is just basically good. No, he's not. There's none righteous, no, not one. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. This is why we must tell the truth, stand on the truth, and stand for the truth. With that said, I realize where the clock is, and I'm already a couple minutes past. So let's stand together this morning as I close in a word of prayer. Because we must tell the truth, stand on the truth, and stand for the truth. Gracious Father, Lord, I thank you for your truth this morning. We thank you that there is forgiveness when we do lie. But because that is something that is part of our past, Lord, I pray through your spirit that you give us victory over it in our present and the future, that we would be people of truth, that we would not compromise, that we would not accept the lie, but instead would embrace the truth and stand on it. And we live in a day and age, Lord, where we need your spirit to guide us in all truth. And so, Father, may you do that for your glory so that we may be free to worship you as we should. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you, church family. You're dismissed.